Hey everybody, this is Ruben with 5-Minute Warning. When I decided that I wanted to make a podcast of my own, I found Anchor. Let me tell you, Anchor is free. Free. F-R-E-E. That's what I'm talking about. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer. You know what? Anchor sends my podcast out to me to Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, so I ain't got to do it. Also, you can make money. I repeat, you can make money from your podcast. It's everything you need to make in a podcast all in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, look, that's what I did. Five-minute warning, almost at 100 episodes in. Get Anchor. Okay, students, this is your five-minute warning. I repeat, five-minute warning. Silence. This is the 5-Minute Warning with Ruben Brown, happening right now. Welcome to 5-Minute Warning with Ruben. How's everybody doing today? You know, um, this is the 12th episode, which is awesome, um, which means I've been doing this for about three months, which is awesome. You know, first of all, thanks to everybody who listens. Um, you know, hopefully that you don't get too tired of my dribble and stuff like that, and you know, but I guess you keep coming back, so I guess not. So once again, you know. Happy three-month anniversary to the show, um, which is also a happy three-month anniversary to y'all, because y'all are the reason why I keep doing it, so I appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. Um, we'll talk about some sports. We'll talk about some real life stuff, I guess, and then we'll talk about the good old gun situation in the state of Virginia. I will kind of give you a take that I have on it. Will I give my opinion? Some of it. But it's more going to be just my take on the whole situation. And it may not be the way you're thinking, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So the first thing we're going to talk about is um, last Wednesday, Coach John Beeline, the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was having a film session with his team and basically, you know, he said the statement, quote, that they were no no longer playing like a bunch of thugs, unquote. He says he meant to say slugs, as in slow, not thugs, as in, well, you know what thugs is. So, you know, it was a... Um, issue, I guess, for some people. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, of course, the majority of basketball players are African-American. So I guess the African-American players had some issues with that. And he didn't know that he called them thugs. His assistants told him later, yo, you called them thugs, man. I thought I said slugs. Nah, man, you called them thugs. Ooh. So he called and um, apologized to 
members of the team, and they said that the players left stunned and disturbed when they left the meeting, but nobody said anything. So it's like, what? You know? And he said he didn't realize they said the word thugs, but his staff told him. And so he called um, most of them and apologized for what he said. He said, that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say slugs, yada, yada, yada. Um, of course, you know, on that team, they had um, LeBron James, who is now in the Lakers. You know, also Kevin Love's on our team. He is Caucasian, um, that sort of thing. Um, so he's a first-year coach. And the question I have is, you know, they're 10 and 27. So my first thought is it doesn't make sense if you called them thugs. Because you're playing like you're not playing like thugs. Well, you want to go beat up everybody on the court, or you want to rob them, or whatever connotation that you feel like thugs should be included with. Um, you know, do I believe that he meant to say slugs? I mean, you're not playing slow; you're playing a lot faster now. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but when it's all said and done, I don't know. Um, there are some words that. Tristan Thompson and some other players don't like him um, as a coach and they don't want to work. They don't want to play for him. So part of it is, well, are they just using that information to get rid of him? And that could be a thing, but let's just be real. They're 10 and 27. Um, And unlike, you know, I'm trying to find my words with it, but I've heard a lot of worse things in locker rooms. I've played athletics growing up myself, um, and I know a lot of people who play athletics. And my thing is, I've heard a lot of words from the coaches. Some of them that, because this is a family show, that I will not repeat, but I can say thugs. So, you know, my hope is he didn't mean to say it, but my other thing is, are the players really upset that he said thugs? I mean, I, I don't understand why that is an issue. Yet, I'm pretty sure they get cursed out on a regular basis doing practices and locker rooms, during the game and stuff like that. So I'll say this and I'll leave it here. I really hope that he didn't say thugs. If he did, he apologized to most of the team. Um, you know, if the player's going to use this to get out, you know, to get him out, I mean, I think that's a punk move. And the other thing is, really, this was a, a film session with the team. So I guess my question is, why did this have to reach media? Because usually what happens in the locker rooms, what usually happens at practice, all that stuff stays within the team. So I don't really understand how this got out. Um, you know, somebody had to leak it. Not saying who, you know, 
because ESPN won't there. So clearly somebody told ESPN, yo, man, the word on the street is Jim ba- John ba- Bayline called his people thugs. I mean, once again, if a player leaked that to the media, kind of a punk move, considering this happened in a practice facility. And I know all y'all would be like, well, he shouldn't have called him that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But there are also Caucasian people in the room, and I don't think they were offended, but they could have been. And yes, thugs is not a popular word to use. However, what I will say is that there are a lot more worse words that are said in locker rooms, and you're being called out your name and all this other stuff. So to me, I'm not sure if this is something I would necessarily be worried about unless you're trying to get some work done, which means get the coach fired. So enough of that. Uh, But we are going to stay in the sports realm because I do want to talk about the NFL a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, in 2003, uh, excuse me, Dan Rooney, Introduced, um, he used to be a he was a late Steelers, Steelers owner. Introduced the Rooney Rule to the NFL, and basically what that means it requires that teams must interview at least one minority candidate for all their head coaching vacancies. Now, there are a lot of you know people who are of color who qualify for some of the I think it was eight head coaching positions that were available this year after a season. But, you know, the first one was taken by the Redskins, Ron Rivera. Um, he, is, he is minority, and he was taken. And now there are only four minority coaches in the league. Of course, there's Rivera, who I just mentioned, um, Mike Tomlin, um, Brian, Brian Flores of the Dolphins, and Anthony Lynn of the Chargers. So there are 32 teams in the NFL, four minority coaches, and 70% of the players in the NFL are black. Now, there are some coordinators. There are some uh, position coaches and stuff like that. But as far as head coaches, there are only four, and I just mentioned those. So there was a big state because there are a whole bunch of other people, a whole bunch of other um, minority coordinators and coaches, stuff like that, who got interviews but didn't get hired. Now, one of the main ones is Eric Bieniemy. He is the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is one of the main reasons for – um, their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, being super awesome. You know, he's credited for that. And then there are a whole bunch of other coaches out there as well. And every enemy got a whole bunch of interviews, but, you know, none of them panned out. So he didn't get hired. And of the 20 coaches in the last three years, a total of three minority coaches, two black and one Hispanic, have been hired. 
one of the coaches, Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals, was fired after one season for a coach who had a losing record in college football. So, yes, he was Caucasian. I mean, I thought you already knew that, but I need to remind you. So the biggest question is, are the NFL, is the NFL use, excuse me, the owners and general managers using this rule, hey, we're going to interview somebody just so you can hire who you want. Now, this really didn't become an issue until the New York Giants hired their coach. Now, their coach was a former special teams and wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots. The biggest issue is he has no coordinator experience. He's never been a head coach. So the highest thing he's ever been in coaching is a wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots whose wide receivers were terrible this year. Now, we can't just blame one year on him and that sort of thing. But the whole history of him, once again, he's never been a coordinator. He's never been an assistant coach. Like, he's never led people, basically. Um, whereas Airbnb, he's the offensive coordinator of the highest scoring team, the second highest scoring team in the NFL. You know, he got an interview, but you're telling me that he ain't getting hired? You know, and the last coaching job I hear is the Cleveland Browns. And now word on the street is another coach, I want to say his defensive coordinator, is getting hired there. And I'm just, he's Caucasian, I believe. So, you know, I feel bad because you have all these black coordinators or black former head coaches who don't have a job in the NFL or a head coaching job in the NFL. It just doesn't look like, you know, that the owners or the general managers are going to move this way. So basically people are saying that the Rooney rule, all it does is allow them to get an interview, which is awesome. But if you're interviewing for a job, you know, you're not going to get meh, you know, is it really worth the time? And if I'm a, a minority coach in the NFL, am I really going to want to take this interview just so they could check off a box? You know, I'll say this. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. You know, life isn't fair. But I feel like that. We have to, we have to keep going. We have to keep trying. In the NFL, it sucks. 32 teams, 32 head coaches, four for minorities. So that's 28. Now, I don't think they're asking for half of them to be minorities. I think more importantly, they're just asking for a shot. You know? So... The question is, when is the NFL going to wake up and give them a shot? Hopefully I'll be soon. 
you know, I just don't understand if you're the offensive coordinator of the second highest scoring team in NFL and you help build, help nurture the number one quarterback in the NFL and all that and nobody wants to hire you. I don't get it. But hey, it's not for me to get. That sort of thing. The only thing I can do is keep talking about it just like them. And what we're going to do next is we're going to take a quick pause. And I want to take this into real life. As a minority myself, you know, how can we put ourselves in better positions to be successful? That's the conversation I want to talk about for a little bit. So I'll be back. It's that time, y'all. We're going to give you a little GPS to the show. Check us out on Spotify. Search 5-Minute Warning. Tell the people where they can leave a comment or ask a question, Boo Love. You can send any questions or comments to F-I-V-E Minute Warning 19 at gmail.com. All right, we're back. Wow. 5-Minute Warning. It's getting kind of crazy. Um, we're extending a little bit, I guess, but, you know, I think it's time that we have some serious conversations about some things. And one of the conversations I want to piggyback off the last one is that we talked about minority hires in the NFL. I want to talk about minority hires in real life. You know, I'm always told that, you know, if you're a minority, you got to work double hard as everybody else. Um, I've always been told that you got to stand by your merit. You got to ask for what you're worth. You know, when I, when I hear stuff like that, basically I'm just like, you know, I think the longer we continue to put ourselves in a box and say, Hey, we can't do better because we're black or we're Puerto Rican or Asian or whatever. We can't go to the top of the mountain because of our skin color and, you know, the location that we work, maybe, maybe they don't like that or whatever. You're automatically limiting yourself. You know, do I feel like I've gone through a couple jobs and, you know, I could do that job better than that person can. And that person got a job and I didn't. Yeah. But I think everybody's felt that way to at some point. But when it's all said and done, one of the things is we have to be masters of our craft. And whether our craft is, you know, doing Excel spreadsheets, TPS reports or whatever, or doing some training and work with people or, you know, whatever your job may be, I'm going to say be the best at it as you can be. You can continue to put excuses in front of you, but you have to knock them down considerably. You know, you just can't expect that everything will be handed to you or given to you, or you shouldn't have to fight for it. Now, I'm saying all that, and I feel like that a lot of things that I'm saying refer to everybody. Because, yes, I can sit here and say I'm a black man, and I'm not treated fairly. 
wherever I work or whatever. That's my opinion. If it's true, it's true. You may feel something similar. And if it's true for you, it's true for you. If it's not, it's not. But when it's all said and done, the trick is, or not even the trick, just the thing we have to do is we have to better ourselves. You know, you should be wanted, wanting to be smarter than the next person in front of you. You should want to be better than the next person in front of you. You should want to be the best at everything you do and how you do it. You should be the 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 master of what you do. Not because you're you feel like you have to work so hard and you gotta, you know, basically bend over backwards, work 80 hours a week, whatever. You should do that because you need to be the best you possible. These guys in the NFL, that sucks. You know? And if you've had a situation in your job or in your life where you feel like you've been passed up due to something that is not your skill, that is not you and something other than your work ethic and your skill set and all that, then that sucks, you know? And I'm not going to sit here and get into any type of, well, white man, black man, white man, white, black man. I ain't getting into that. I'm just not. Because when it's all said and done, the way you combat all that is being the best you can be. You should always be learning. And you know what? There's also, you have to have the guts to be like, you know what? I'm here. I'm at my glass ceiling. Maybe it's time for me to find another ceiling. You know? Yeah, you might have put it in time for 10, 12 years. I get it. But you know, if you feel like you can't go any further with this company, but there's another company that wants to take you there, then go. Like, I'm a loyal dude. I try not to move bounce to bounce to jobs and stuff like that. I'm very loyal. However, with that loyalty, it does come a price. And sometimes that price is you getting better or you moving up. And to be honest, that's not a price you should be willing to pay. If what you're doing right now is not what you want to be doing for the rest of your life, then you need to make what you want to do for the rest of your life better. You need to make that happen. Because when it's all said and done, we all have to look out for number one. And if we're not looking out for number one, which includes our families and whatnot, then we're doing a disservice to the job that we're at and doing a disservice to the job that we should be at. Because you know what? If your job doesn't love you, there's another job out here who will love you. And it's just a matter of having the guts and the courage to find that and make that happen. You know, I guess this is more of a pep talk type of thing, but that's kind of how I feel. You know, you go grab that brass ring and make it yours. Because when it's all said and done, you're the only one who can do that. Now, we're going to go ahead and switch from there. I will get off my soapbox now and stuff. And I want to go to a story that one of my law enforcement friends told me. So, um, he was called to a scene and basically he told me this story and I was like, what? So I want to tell it to you because it does have a message. So basically what happens, 
He was called to the scene. It was a truck and it was a car. The car had a young woman. The truck, of course, had a male. And what was happening is they were on the interstate and the car was in front of the truck. And the truck blinked his lights. Basically saying, hey, speed up, move out the way or whatever. Two lane highway. There was somewhere on the right side because they were on the left. Well, you know, what the woman in the car did, she pumped the brake a little bit. Well, pumping the brake obviously made the dude upset. And he was probably traveling a little closer than he should have been. So what he do? I'm basically he's probably like I'm sick of this. I'm gonna go on the curb or the shoulder and pass you. Left shoulder passes her. As he passes her, he knocks out the mirror on the driver's side. Gets in front of her, speeds up a little bit. She gets upset, so she chases this dude down. You know, now the truck was more like a 150, 250, and the car was like a car, maybe a Civic or a Accord or something like that. And dude, I guess he decided to pull up, get something to eat, into you know, like a fast food restaurant, and she follows him to the fast food restaurant. And she got out of her car and started yelling at the dude in the truck. And I guess at this point in time, someone had called the police, whether it was her or I think it was her. Uh, I'm not really sure. Called the police. And then this person, this law enforcement person rolled up and they, you know, they give their stories. He stayed in his truck until the policeman got there. And basically, long story short, you know, you can't cross on a shoulder. That's illegal. So do got a ticket for that. And the woman was upset. That's all he got or whatever. And then the law enforcement person was like, well, you shouldn't have pumped your brakes because at that point in time, you could have caused the accident. Which I guess part of it was like, he might've been driving a little too close. And then he looked at him and was like, and you were driving too close because if her pumping the brakes could have caused an accident, that means you're driving too close. So basically, when it was all said and done, he gave the dude a ticket because you can't drive on the shoulder. And then I believe she was like, well, what about my, my mirror? You know, and the law enforcement officer was like, well, you can go through insurance or you can go exchange information and take care of it, you know, personally. So, of course, the truck decided, the man in the truck decided, you know, I'll just get my insurance, let my insurance handle it. So, I say all that to say this. A couple episodes ago, I talked about, I think my five things were about what I hate, like about driving in Virginia. I think it was Virginia, but just driving. Horrible drivers. Road rage is a bad day. Period. 
I can understand you're frustrated. I can understand you might be a little mad. But there's absolutely no reason for you to be blinking lights at people. Definitely not pumping brakes. You know, it is illegal to pass on a shoulder. And then why would you follow someone to a different, to a location they're going to? You don't know who that person is. You know, they might roll out with some guns, which we'll talk about later. All this other stuff. Why would you put yourself in danger? Craziness. Let's be safe out there, people. If you're going to be mad, be mad to yourself. Don't flick anybody off. Don't flick anybody off. Just scream in your car, be mad, whatever. But don't take it to the next level. Because that story could have been completely different. He could have came out the car with her and could have had some sort of gun, bat, whatever. And this could this story could have been a different story that I told. So, look, all I'm saying, guys, and ladies and guys, and everybody out there who's on the road, be careful. Don't follow anybody because you're mad. That's crazy. Because you have no idea what that person is or what they're capable of. Let's be safe out there. So I'm going to take another break. Then we'll be right back. We're going to finish this up. This is 5-Minute One bit with Ruben. All right, see you in a minute. Don't be pokey. Hi, everyone. Um, Five-Minute Warning with Ruben. Um, so we're back, and I want to jump into a different situation um, right now. So, you know, Zach Morris apparently is coming back. Saved by the Bell will be doing a reboot. Um, NBC is coming out with a streaming service called Peacock. And this is one of the shows that will be on the streaming service. So, of course, all the people from Saved by the Bell are pretty old now. So you can't do anything like, hey, you know, we're young again, but we're like 40. That's not going to work. So, basically, you know, they're coming back. And the story is kind of interesting. It's, It's almost... I don't know if I want to compare it to some stuff that we hear from like uh, special vic- law and or special victims unit, but they're touching on a subject that I, f- I find to be interesting. Well, first of all, Zach Mars, Mark Pargas is coming back and he's a governor of California. So that's awesome, I guess. But the problem is that, He closed too many low-income high schools, so he's going to send all those students to high-performing high schools, um, such as Bayside High, where he came from. Well, the funny thing about that is, that's kind of what's going on in some realms now. You know, we have a lot of schools who are um, not being accredited, and we have charter schools out there. And basically what happens if you close all the non-accredited schools and you sent them to the high-performing high schools and charter schools? So I'm kind of interested, not going to lie. The plot 
could use some work, but I'm pretty sure there'll be a whole bunch of laughing and joking and all that stuff. But just like everything else, it also has an underlying truth attached to it. So I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of interested to, to check it out. Um, they're also bringing back Punky Brewster as well. And of course, um, Salome Moon Fry, who was Punky Brewster, she's going to reprise her role as Punky Brewster. So I guess that's going to be kind of interesting. An uh, old Punky Brewster. Hmm. I guess, you know, she's probably going to have some kids and stuff and, you know, or maybe, just maybe, she adopts some kids. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be coming soon. Peacock starts in April, um, but they haven't said when these things are going to start. So be aware. You know, we're about to see some time ins and some time outs, and hopefully he gets a better phone this time. So we'll move from that to something a little bit more heavier. In Virginia, we have a whole bunch of gun regulation. Excuse me. Gun regulation that's about to happen. And I think the first thing I want to do is I want to read the Second Amendment because, you know, I keep hearing that everybody's, we're doing this to protect the Second Amendment. Well, Let's see what the Second Amendment really says. It says, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, there are some commas. There were any periods. The only period happened, unquote, excuse me, happened when I said infringed, infringed, excuse me. So clearly throughout the years, we have thought this differently. Well, what usually happens is people cut off the part of a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That's not existent for some people. You know, they just mean the right of the people to keep and bear arms should not be infringed. Let's do a little deciphering here. Basically, is saying that 